Um, today we are in week four of a series called All the Feels. Um, all the Feels is actually a very popular hashtag. Uh, it's when you have all the feelings about something and you don't know what else to say about the picture or the video, so you just hashtag all the feels, um, and it's something that, that's going around like crazy. Uh, so in this series, we've been talking about all the feels, feelings that we have in our everyday lives that sometimes can get a little crazy. Sometimes they actually go against what, where we really want to be and what we really want to do in life. Feelings in our everyday lives that can actually pull us away from the promised life that Jesus says that we can have. And so we've been addressing a lot of these feelings along the way. Um, today, we are going to be talking about feelings of regret. Regret's a big deal. Regret can be heavy. We, we can actually carry around regret in our everyday lives, and no one even knows, but inside of ourselves, it feels like we're carrying around a 200-pound weight. Sometimes regret can be something seemingly small, or it can be something seemingly big. Sometimes it, it feels as if it's just this little annoying thing that we have to deal with every day in ourselves, and other times it feels like, man, it's just going to crush us. It, it affects the way we think. It affects the, what we do. It affects relationships that we have. H have you ever heard of a mulligan? Any, any golfers out there? Any weekend warriors? Got one honest person, I guess. A mulligan in golf uh, is when you take a shot and you really mess up and you get a mulligan. And what a mulligan is... Uh, is whenever that shot didn't count. <laughs> That's why I like mulligans so much. And, and you actually get to do the shot over, and the shot that you just did didn't count. You actually go on through the round like you never even, never even shot it. Now, professionals don't use mulligans. It's just kind of a thing that I guess really bad golfers decided to do one day. Uh, and when you go to a tournament, you can actually buy mulligans, um, kind of a weekend tournament, and it's a way for them to raise money, and it's a way for you not to look so bad on the golf course. And so, uh, you know, you just count mulligan, taking a mulligan, and you drop your ball, and you, you take the shot over, uh, and everybody goes forward like that shot that you uh, just shot didn't count. Didn't know, it never happened. And um, interesting story, there was a guy who played a round of golf. He was mute, meaning he, he couldn't speak. Um, and he was out there playing golf, and he takes his, his first shot, and it slices off bad. I mean, it goes off into a different fairway. Uh, where another group of golfers was, was playing. Um, and, you know, normally when you do that and you hit the ball accidentally towards somebody or a group of people, you're supposed to yell, four! Everybody knows what that is, right? It, it alerts them, hey, here comes a golf ball, get out of the way, so they have enough time to dodge it. Well, the guy couldn't talk. It nailed a guy right in the leg. I mean, it was bad. And the guy falls on the ground. It hurts like crazy. Um, and the man that's mute, obviously he feels bad, but he walks over to the man, kind of stands over him, and holds, holds these four fingers up like that. <laughs> just kind of shows him, you know. <laughs> he not only needed a mulligan, he needed a life mulligan. You know what I'm talking about? You ever need a life mulligan where you just wanted to do over? <laughs> you know, maybe you're on a first date and you say something really stupid. Mulligan, you just wish you could yell it out. And kind of, kind of do it over. Uh, maybe, maybe you said the wrong thing to somebody, and you didn't mean to, but you, you did. It came out, and maybe you, you, you said before you thought, and you just want to take a life mulligan. Um, maybe, maybe you just, just kind of going off the deep end here. Maybe you just hurt somebody really bad. You, you, you did something, and you thought it was going to be a different way, but it actually ended up hurting somebody really bad, and you just wish you could call mulligan <laughs> and have a do-over, and everybody forget, literally forget everything that happened. Maybe you made a decision financially that you thought was going to be good, and it just wasn't, uh, or, and, and you want to you scream mulligan. Maybe you made a decision with your job, and you want to do over. 
Maybe there was a decision that you were supposed to make, but yet you, you never actually made the decision. It was very important, but you put it on the back burner. Now, now it's too late. The opportunity has passed by, and you just you want to do over. You want a mulligan. You wish sometimes you just could do it over. If you think about just the last 365 days, I, I'd be willing to bet that probably all of us in here have something that we would say we just regret we did. Maybe it's big, maybe, maybe small, maybe it seems that way, one or the other, but we all have something. We say, I wish, I wish I could do it over. Here's the important thing to remember about regret. No matter what you're holding on to, no matter what you regret in your life, here, here's the thing to remember. Regrets can either motivate us or they can imprison us. They can. They, they can either motivate us to move towards a life that we could actually be proud of, a new future, or they can imprison us. Now, here, here's the difference. With God... When I submit my regrets to God and invite him in to help me, it motivates me to a better future. Without God, when I hold on to those regrets and try to do it myself, our natural instinct is to imprison ourselves, and we, we make ourselves feel the bars of regret, of guilt, of shame. That's the difference, and, and you're doing one or the other. One is with God, and one is without God. And when it's without God, it's with you. And the very best you have is imprisonment when it comes to regret because you can do absolutely nothing about your regret. Nothing. But with God, it's a little bit different. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, let's listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, we know, say no, it is a certainty, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose, with the whole point of it being to become like his son, Jesus. Did, did he say God causes most things? Come on, let me just talk to you for a second. Did, did he say, you know, 99% of the time God can really do this? But he says when we submit to him, he will cause all things. That means the things that seem good. That means the things that seem bad. That, that means the things that we can't even begin to understand how God could take something like I have done like that, and you know what it is in your own minds. You fill in the blanks there. How in the world can God cause something like that to, to turn out something good? And this is what I'm here to tell you. Only in God's sovereignty can he do something like that. I mean, you can't do it. I can't do it. In fact, I don't even know how he does it. But when we believe in God, we have to believe in the whole God, not just part of him that we think we can understand and put him in a little box. In God's sovereignty, listen to me, when you choose to submit to him and lay your regrets at his feet and invite him to come into your life, he will take all of those things, good, bad, ugly, and turn them into something good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose for the, for the, for the whole purpose of you becoming like his son, Jesus Christ. Only God can do something like that with the junk that we've done in our own lives. Can somebody say amen to that? Do you believe it? Do you believe that he can actually do that? Because God's nature, his very nature about himself is to restore our nature about us is to imprison ourselves with guilt and shame. And the fact is, in this life, you're not going to get a mulligan. You're not going to get a do-over. But God can take your mistakes and bring something good from them if you will lay your life before him and give your regrets to him. If we're honest, some of us in this room have been carrying around regrets that, that seem like 200-pound weights. I mean, it's like walking around literally carrying 200 pounds. It's, it's heavy. We feel it. It affects everything we do. It affects most of our thoughts, we think. And listen to me when I say, God wants to set you free. You can't set you free. God wants to set you free. And you're going to have the opportunity today, this very day, and you're going to decide 
whether you're going to let that happen, if you're going to lay down your regrets, or if you're going to walk out these doors carrying them just like when you came in. You're going to have the decision, and you're going to have the opportunity to do that. And the question we all want to ask is how? Am I the only one? How? How in the world? You get up here and you talk for 30 minutes maybe, and, and all of a sudden now all of a sudden my whole life's different? How, how is that possible? And I'm going to tell you, it's not magic, <laughs> but it's not out of your control either. And it means doing three things. Say three things. Three things. First thing is this. I have to set my future before me. I have to set my future before me because a lot of times when we live in regret, we walk around in circles, really going nowhere, wishing the past had never happened. But when we begin to lay our regrets down, the first thing you have to do is, I, is set your future before you. If you're going to lay down regrets, it's going to involve a different outcome for you. Because God doesn't say, bring your you know, burdens to me, bring your regrets to me, and oh, by the way, your life's going to look exactly the same and you're going to be headed in the exact same direction. No, if you lay your regrets down before God, truly do that, then it's going to mean a different future for you. And at the beginning of all this, it takes asking God a question, and that's this. God, what type of person do you want me to become? I mean, God, what type of person do you want me to be? And we don't ask questions like this when we hold on to our regrets. And the reason is because we don't think there's any chance that God can take us and what we've done and do anything good. In fact, we don't even think God wants to. Can I, are we just being human for a minute, right? When we hold on to regrets, we think that God doesn't really want us. He just tolerates us. And so we don't begin to ask God questions like, God, what, what do you want me to be? How, how do you want to work in my life? And so the first thing we have to do is, is set our future before us. And it takes coming before God and saying, God, what do you want that future to look like? And if that verse is true, that he takes all things and work them, works them together for our good, and it is true, then we have to know that God delights in taking our mistakes and turning them into something good in our lives. So you can decide right now, although I might not know how, I, I don't know how he's going to take all this and do something good, I believe he's able to and I want to walk this path out. Decide it right now. Get intentional about it. God, what type of person do you want me to be? What, what do you want that to look like, God? And then write it down somewhere. Gosh, if, if you want to hit a target, then you got to make one. And, and that's what God wants to do. I, I can't think of anything worse than coming to the end of your life and just simply regretting that I did absolutely nothing to, 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 to walk with God because I wasted my time without a sense of direction. And by the way, when you're thinking about this new future, um, it's very important that you come to God and ask Him. The reason is because we, we can think of all kinds of neat things that we should be doing with our future, but the issue is when we do that ourselves, we have no idea what's coming this year. We have no idea what's coming month to month or how our life's going to change from day to day, but God does. And in His sovereignty, He says, come to me. And so when you're asking God and, and, and putting this new future in front of you, you need to ask Him, God, what do you want my life to look like? What type of person do you want me to become? It's important to ask, but he will give you direction because he's the one that's going to lift the guilt and the heaviness off of you, not you. So you got to ask him, God, what, what type of person do you want me to become? And, and ask him. And the thing of it is, is when you ask him, he'll show you. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, he says this. He says, seek his will. Whose will? Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So don't put it off. Because time is going, and the longer you wait, the more time goes by. If I were to ask you, do you believe that 2017 went by so fast, we'd probably all say, yeah, it did. 
In fact, I'll really blow your mind. I mean, do you, can, can you believe that, that we're almost into the second quarter of 2018? I mean, where did 2018 already go? You know what I mean? Some of you are sitting here wondering today, where did the last five years go? Where did the last 10 years go? You got less hair than you did, less patience. Some of you got no hair. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And we're wondering, where, where did it go? So please don't let time get away from you because time is going, and you don't want to find yourself wondering, where did the time go? I have done little to set my future before me. In fact, King David said in Psalm 39, he said, Lord, remind me how brief my time is on earth. God, remind me so that, that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. Take that time and get alone with God. What, God, what do you want me to become? I, I want a new future in front of me. I'm tired of walking in circles carrying this weight. We've been asking that question around here like crazy lately. God, what do you want this church to become? And, and we know that there are lots of different priorities and, and several different goals that we've set for 2018 right here uh, at the bridge. And one of those goals, specifically in Goldsboro, is we want to see an average attendance right here of 375 people by the end of 2018. And that's just one goal. We got more important ones than that. And you may say, well, that's just about numbers. Well, every number has a soul, and every soul has an eternity. And so we want to see people come in here and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And we want to make room. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we're going to two services on Sunday morning, to make, make room for people to hear the gospel and pray to receive Christ. Um, in fact, that's, that's one of our goals uh, this year for the, the, all the bridge locations. We want to see 365 people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of the bridge and its influence in their lives through God. In fact, just in January and February, if we can just celebrate a little bit, we've seen 40 people come to know Jesus Christ and begin living for him because of the, the bridge's influence in their lives through God. Can we just say thank you, God, for that? That's 40 people whose lives are changed, whose eternities are different. So that, that is a goal worth reaching. Um, but we want to see people not just, not just sit in our services and, and just keep seats warm, but we want to see you get involved. We want to see you get uh, connected. And so what, what is your next step? Maybe your next step is baptism, or maybe you, which, by the way, is coming up on uh, the 18th. Maybe your next step is getting involved and, and you want to find out about ownership or getting involved on a serve team. Uh, take those next steps. You don't have to jump from A to Z, but you can jump from A to B or maybe B to C. Some of you are on letter T and you're stuck. Keep going. God, God wants to do something great in your life. So that, that's kind of what's happening in the church uh, right here at Goldsboro. What's, what's God doing in you? God, when, when you ask him, Lord, where do you, what do you want me to become? What, what future you know, do you want for me? What is God saying in you personally? I heard an older man say one time, he said, I'm not done dreaming yet. This, this, if anybody was done dreaming, it was him. <laughs> he, he said, I'm not done dreaming. He looked at me, are you? I was like, no, I'm not done dreaming either. I don't think it matters right much how old you are, how young you are, or how much you've been or gone. It, God has a future for you, and if you're still sucking in air right here on this planet, then he's not done with you yet. You can be 10 or you can be 100 or 110. It does not matter. God, if you're still here and he hasn't taken you somewhere else yet, and I mean into eternity, then God's got a plan for you and you have a future and it's worth asking God, what does that look like for me? You gotta set your future before you. Number two, say number two. I gotta see how my present is directing me. Once you know where your future's headed, then it probably makes sense to take a look at what we're doing right now and see if it's headed in that future that God said that we should be having, right? 
Uh, Andy Stanley uh, said a quote, just kind of fun. He said, your life is perfectly designed to produce the results that you are currently experiencing. Let that sink in a second. <laughs> He's saying what you're doing right now is perfect to get the results that you're getting right now. And if you want different results, then you have to come back over here and start doing something different. You're doing exactly what you need right now to get the results that you're experiencing. I talked to a man one time who told me he believed with all his heart years ago. He said, I'm, I'm supposed to be a pastor. God has called me to be a pastor. That's what my future is. I said, that's awesome. That's a great call. I said, what, what are you doing to make it happen? And this is what he said. He said, nothing. He said, when it comes to the time when it's supposed to happen, God will do it for me. He'll make it happen. I said, that's great. I said, but you know what? He's going to give you tools, but he can't make you use them. <laughs> that verse we read a minute ago where it said, uh, seek God's will and he'll show you which path to take. He's not going to take the steps for you, right? You actually have to put one foot in front of the other when he shows you the direction and you have to walk. I love in Galatians where it says, keep step with the spirit. He has a pace for you, but he ha he'll give you a direction and you actually have to do something. But a lot of times when we start looking at where our present is and maybe we see the future before us, and, and, but we're, we haven't done anything to actually take steps to go that way. Some of us have the as soon as syndrome. You know what that is? That's when we say, as, as soon as this project ends, then I'll, 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 I'll take some steps. Or as soon as things settle down. It's crazy right now, but as soon as things settle down, guess they're never going to settle down. It's life. Or as, as soon as I retire. Some of us are there. And we're like, you know what? Retirement's coming. It's on, in my horizon. I, I can see it a little bit. And when that gets here, then I will and, you know, do the things it's going to take to get me where God wants me. Or maybe you're a young parent and you're saying, as soon as the kids get older, you know, finances are kind of strapped right now. We don't have a lot of room in the house. But as soon as the kids get older and out, then I can, I can start to see kind of me having some extra time to do some of that. Or, or as soon as, and then you fill in the blank, whatever it is, because we've all done it. And so when we do that, we, we absolutely miss where God is wanting to take us because we're actually, we're just standing here doing nothing. Or, or worse, when we're idle, we'll drift in another direction. You, you don't drift into the will of God. You do it intentionally. You don't, you ever woke up one day and just stretched and said, man, I, I just feel closer to God today, you know? You know, no, it takes intentionality. And if you're drifting, if you're idle, if you're doing nothing, then you're going a different way. And the fact is, is we make excuses of why. We do. And we look at our present and, and where we currently are. We'll make excuses to stay there. And we'll justify it. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13. A bit of wisdom here. It says, the lazy person is full of excuses. Listen to this. Saying this, if, if I go outside, I might get eaten by a lion in the streets and killed. So I'm, I'm not going to go out there. Does that sound stupid to you? <laughs> What's the Bible? You can't say it's... No, he's talking about people making excuses, and, and, and we do that. I mean, have you ever made that excuse? You ever gone to your boss and said, listen, I was late for work, or, or I didn't show up because I thought a lion was going to eat me, so <laughs> I just decided I was going to stay in? I mean, how, how dumb does that sound? And if I can just be truthful with you for a minute, some of you know the current lifestyles you're living is not what God wants for you. You can justify it. You can try to make yourself think that it is. You, you can, you can, we justify anything. Man, I, I saw a guy one time who justified uh, he needed some new tires. And somehow in his mind, he justified buying a new car because he needed some new tires. <laughs> you can justify anything you want to justify. 
And some of us know our lives are not lining up. Our current lifestyles are not lining up with what God wants from us. And, and our reasons for not doing it, I'm telling you right now, if you can just take this loving pastor telling you a soft truth this morning, the reasons for not lining ourselves up with God are just as lame as that verse where it talks about the lion. You, you, you need an encounter where you can just take a step back and look at yourself. I've had to do it. Sometimes I, I, I do it weekly. <laughs> and God has to kind of check me. But are you open to that? Can I just challenge you this morning? Quit making excuses. And take a personal responsibility for your own life and, and your current direction. And stop living in fear. You need to start saying things like, I can and I will do what God wants me to do. And we need to stop saying things like, you know, I should or I could. I, I would do that, but we need to make those like cuss words in our head and stop saying them. Some of you need to stop saying some other words. I'll digress. We need to replace that with, I can and I will. I can be the spouse that my husband or my wife needs for me to be, and I will be that. I can be the father or the mother that my children need me to be, and I will do it. I can take steps to pursue God and his, his relationship that he wants with me and this direction that he wants me to go in. I can do that, and I will. And when we decide to do these things, th these are steps we're making to lay a foundation where we can, we can throw off regret and we can walk forward. Because when you start walking in the will of God, it is very difficult to get too far before he makes a way for you to throw down regret and move forward. I doubt there's anybody in here that would intentionally defy God, that would just say, you know what, I just want to write in God's face, just say no. Nobody would really intentionally do that. I mean, gosh, even if you're seeking, even if you don't really claim to live a life for Christ, you're, even in our own minds, we're not going to like walk up to a God even and say, well, I'm just going to defy you right here to your face. But I'd be willing to bet there's plenty in here who have regret and have done absolutely nothing to change the course of their lives. I'd bet that. It's time. And you know it. And God knows it. It's time. It's time to lay down those regrets. It's time to figure out what God wants for you. Define what that future looks like. And it's time to start putting some action steps in place. And let God shape your life to where it's actually moving into that future. It's time to do the third thing. And I saved this one for last because it's probably the most important step. And that is I got to put my past behind me. I know it's a tough one. I, I, I know that the weight of our past, the weight of regret, if anyone's carrying them in here, I know there are. It can be so heavy. It can be so difficult. But you can never move forward and not put your past behind you. God makes it possible. Regrets are inevitable. We all have them. But guess what? Forgiveness is also available. Forgiveness is available to everybody because God is all about second chances. Listen to me. He's all about third chances. He's all about tenth chances sometimes. He doesn't necessarily want us to get out to that tenth time, but right where you're at, it doesn't matter how far you've gone, he's available to, to pick you up right where you're at if you'll just say yes to him and, and move, start moving you in the right direction. He's all about new beginnings. He's all about taking your mistakes, like Romans 8, 28 said, and, and taking all of that junk and all of those good and bad and ugly and shaping and forming it into something good for your life. And when God says good, it's not like good, like, like we have the word good in English, and it's just like, well, a pizza can be good, but so can also paying off debt, <laughs> paying off your house. That can be good, too. 
It's like so different. Well, what would you rather have, the pizza or your house payment paid off? They're both good. Well, see, when God says good, it's like to the fullest extent. He's all about moving us there. And wherever you're at, whenever you decide, God's ready for you to put your past behind you, and he makes it available for you to do that. In fact, David in the Bible, this is a man who sinned greatly. In Psalm 32, he said this. We can learn from it. He said, I, I finally admitted all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide them. And I said to myself, I will confess them to the Lord. And, and he forgave me. And this next line, I want this to sink into your heart. And all my guilt is gone. All my guilt is gone. How many of you would, would just like to say, I would like to say that and actually mean it, and it actually means something in my life, that I can walk around and I can say that my guilt is actually gone. Now, I don't have the weight I used to have. I'm not condemned feeling, walking around imprisoned by myself with the guilt and the shame, but how many of you just want to be able to say that and actually mean it? My guilt is gone. I used to have it. I remember what it felt like to have it. But it's gone from me. I don't feel it anymore. I'm, I'm free. I feel like I'm weightless now compared to what I used to, used to feel. Can anybody just say, I'd like to feel like that. I'd like to be able to say that. God, he doesn't want you stuck in your past. He, he doesn't want you stuck there. He understands the impact of your sin. He understands the impact it has on relationships and how we're so tempted to, to hold on to the guilt and the shame of it. But he, he wants you to do this. He wants you to face the sin, acknowledge it, repent, which actually means to turn and go the other direction, and move on with your life. That's what God wants for you. And if God says it, it's possible. Now, putting your past behind you may involve, it, it may involve talking to somebody. It may involve actually having to go to somebody and, and ask for forgiveness, putting your past behind It might involve that. It might mean you going to God and saying, God, I need you to forgive me. It might mean that. It might mean having this moment with God where you just, he, he wipes your slate clean, but you actually have to go to him and say that. It, it might mean, this is the most difficult, probably the toughest. It might mean you forgiving yourself because you actually have to walk forward with the propensity to remember all of it. And you might need to forgive yourself. That may be a person that you have to go to and have that conversation with yourself. But you cannot walk into your future holding hands with your past. I would, I would submit to you today that you can let go of your past and you can hold on to the one that's actually got that beautiful future for you. Why would we want to hold on to something that's doing nothing but causing us pain? In the New Testament, there's this guy named Saul in the Bible. And Saul grew up in a, a very godly, so to speak, family. Uh, grew up understanding Jewish law in terms of what God wanted them to do and and he, he knew it like a science, like the back of his head. He was zealous for it. And then Jesus comes along in, in, in Saul's time, and, and he dies, and he's raised from the dead. Jesus says he forgives everybody their sins. And there's this new thing that comes in. It's called grace, and it's called salvation through faith. I believe in what Jesus did for me and not this whole list of things that I have to do to be worthy of God. Saul never made that jump, at least not in the beginning. And he starts going after these people who are following Jesus, these so-called Christians. And he's actually putting them in prison. He's actually, he's actually uh, tormenting them, persecuting them, sometimes even having them killed. This is tough. What did that mean? That, I mean, I want you to think about that for a minute. What, what did that mean when he actually would go in? He would go into these, like what we would call a church service, and he would just rip people out of them. 
with guards and, and, and take them off to prison. In fact, the, the one guy named Stephen, he was kind of known as one of the first Christian martyrs. Saul just stood there and let him stone him. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine the kids that are standing around in homes and in, in these synagogues whenever they would go in? And they're, they're ripping apart their, their, their fathers and their mothers. And, their, and you can just imagine the wives screaming out. You can imagine the kids screaming, confused, not knowing what's going on. Imagine the horror of that. I mean, just try to imagine it. And then later on, Paul or Saul is riding down this, this road, and he's, he's actually on the way to persecute more Christians, and he has this encounter with God himself. Long and short of it is, his life changes from then on. I mean, it was such a drastic change that God changed his name from Saul to Paul. It's like, you can't be Saul anymore because that was the old you. Here's the new you, Paul. The guy actually ended up becoming the, one of the greatest evangelists, if not the greatest, that ever lived. Started so many churches. God used him to reach the non-Jews. Wrote a, a lot of the New Testament that we have today called the Bible. Letters to churches that are in the Bible that we actually read and are encouraged with today. It was Paul. But can you imagine the regret he must have had? Not, not just hurting people, but godly, hurting people that were worshiping God. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine? I mean, he, he probably knew that God forgave him, but he still had those faces imprinted on his mind. He still remembers what the, the kids sounded like as they were screaming. The Bible doesn't record all the little details like that, but you can just kind of fill in the blank. Can, can you imagine? He, he probably knew. He probably remembered. And so if anybody knows what regret feels like, I just have to imagine it has to be him. And he's writing a letter like he did a lot to one of these churches, and he sums up what success looks like when it comes to laying down your regrets. In one line, he's writing to the Philippian church, and we have it recorded in Philippians chapter 3. And this is what he says. This is what I want us to focus on. He says, I'm, I'm still not all that I should be. I'm not perfect. He's saying, but I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I, I, I got to forget what happened. I got to forget what I used to be. I can't hold on to it anymore. And I'm going to spend all my energy, all my focus, pushing ahead with this future that God has for me out here. Back here, it absolutely does nothing for me when it comes to reaching this. And to hold on to this means I stay idle and never reach that. And so what I'm going to do is take my energy, what I used to focus on back here, and let it go. And I'm going to focus everything I have forward for actually forgetting as much as I can with God's help what I did and what I used to be. It profited me absolutely nothing. And some of us today are still holding on to this back here. And if, you're, if, if you would be bold enough to admit it, it is, it is profiting you absolutely nothing. But you can do something about that today. What regrets do you still carry that you need to let go of? I have, I've had to let go of a few. In fact, I want to kind of show you what it looks like. A wheelbarrow full of cinder blocks, that's what regret looks like. And it's hard, man. It's, it's like walking around with regret feels like this. And you're, this wheelbarrow is really rickety. <laughs> but that's what it feels like, trying to balance it. I mean, you're just, you're trying to go forward in life, and you can't. Gosh, if you hit a stairwell, <laughs> you're, you, or, or maybe there's a bump, and all of a sudden the thing just starts, it, it inhibits you. You can't do anything. It's heavy. It's awkward. You can't, you can't really do a whole lot with a wheelbarrow full of regrets. And this is what we look like walking around 
with regrets, trying to go through doors, trying to make it through things. And, and God's calling us to these, these rooms in life that we're supposed to walk in and supposed to be, you know, working and, and he's supposed to do things in us, but we're walking around like this. Can you imagine going to a party? I'm here. You know, and you're just holding this wheelbarrow full of cinder blocks and they're like, okay, well, you can come in, but you have to probably leave that outside. And you're like, I can't, it's stuck to me. You know? I remember... When I first started in ministry, I was 20 years old, and uh, I thought I knew everything, man. I'd... Anybody ever do that? I did, and the problem is, is I was on staff with these older guys who were, I don't know, older than me. One of them had a master's degree. One of them, very accomplished, our senior pastor was, and, and I just remember feeling like I should be treated just like them. I'm smart, I'm talented, right? I'm 20, I know everything. <laughs> Problem was, is I did some things to push myself kind of out there. And I got into conversations with people and I would, everything that I said was kind of bent towards making myself something. Why? Because I wasn't proud of being 20 and not knowing a whole lot. I wanted to be like somebody else. I wanted to be like them. And so I had conversations with people and it was hard. And it was like carrying around weights all the time. And I remember I said some things to people that kind of pushed myself out there. And sometimes I'd just be plain rude. And I wouldn't mean to. It's not like my heart was bad, but I just, I was doing it all the wrong way. And I remember one day I was, I was just in the church building by myself, just trying to pray and trying to get close to God. And, and I remember one day God told me, Ryan, you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now for this season of your life. You don't have a master's degree and there's a reason for that. You, you, you're not accomplished right now. It's okay that you're not accomplished right now. I got you right where I want you for the season of life that you're in. And the season of life you're in is precious to me. And, and right where you're at, I want to do something in your life, but I can't do it because you're so focused on being somewhere else and being somebody else. One day, but you know what? That's a journey that you and I are going to take together. But right now you're missing it because you're looking at somewhere that you're not. And right then I just gave God all that, and it was like a, a weight had been lifted off of me, but the problem was I said some things to some people and done some things that I wasn't proud of, and I carried it around like a weight, and God had to work in me that, but I let it go. I said, God, this is not worth it. I, if you've got this plan for me, I'm letting go of the regret of that, and it was like this big weight was lifted off of me. I just, just threw it off. And because I wanted to be something, because I was trying to push myself forward, you know what that meant? It meant I worked all the time. And I, it meant I neglected my family. And I remember, I, I remember working late a lot of the times, and, and, and my, my kids would go to bed without me. They'd have supper without me. And, and I was just there all the time. I wanted, I wanted that church to know that Ryan Barbado knew what it took to work hard. And, and I wanted everyone to come ask me the questions because I wanted to know all the answers. And I wanted to be the one that had all the, had all the solutions. And, and I prided myself in that. Matter of fact, people would drive home at night and, and they would be on their way home from work. And I'd still be there. And they'd see my truck. And later on, they'd say, you know what? You, you, you are, you're the man. You work all the time. You, you're, you're the man. Your truck's always there. And I'm like, yeah, it was almost like a badge of honor. But what they didn't know is my family at home was being neglected. My wife at the time, she put the kids to bed. She'd feed them supper, and I would be nowhere. In fact, sometimes she would call and say, what time are you coming home? Are you, are you going to be home tonight? And I would say, you know, i got to work. And I remember many nights walking in, and all the lights would be shut off, and my kids would be asleep. And I'd just sit in the living room and cry. 
their little hearts, their little eyes shut, and I was nowhere to be found. And, and thank God he does work miracles in people's lives. And in 16 years of ministry, I've come a long way. And along that way, I've had to ask forgiveness. But the more important question about forgiveness, I had to ask myself for forgiveness and let go of this weight. And by the strength of God, I, I did it. I no longer carry that. I'm free from it. And then there's this one. This is the most ugly, <laughs> and this is the most embarrassing one, probably. And it's absolutely none of your business what that is. I, <laughs> I, I let that go. I let it go. And you know what? I realize when I begin to let go of my regrets, and I don't have to carry around that stupid wheelbarrow anymore either. The only container I had to hold anything was a heart that was full of God and aimed in the direction that he wanted for me. And I'm here to tell you today, you can do the exact same thing. What regrets do you still carry? I mean, what, what, what do you carry around that's heavy that, that you just need to let go of today? Maybe you said something that you didn't mean. Maybe you did something in your past that, you know what, you, you can do nothing about. You can't go back and do, some, do it over. But you can let go of the regret today. Maybe you made some decisions that you didn't know what the outcome was going to be, and you wish to God and everybody else that you never made that decision because of the fallout. Maybe for some of you, you've given your life to things that really eternally don't matter, but you've given your life to it, and you've worked so hard, and you've spent all your time and energy climbing up a ladder, the rungs of worldly success, only to realize when you got to the top, it was leaning up against the wrong wall. And you're saying today, God, I, I want to make you the center of my life and not what seems like, like success. All these regrets, I mean, you, you can let them go today. You can but I, I just want to say, you, you may not think you have what it takes to let go, and you don't. That's why you need God. You, you don't have what it takes to let go. Because if you did, you'd have done it already. But Paul, the guy that, that killed Christians, and he, he was able to let go of some of his regrets, he, he said some things that I think that we need to try to understand today. In Colossians, it was another letter to the church that he wrote. He said, I struggle with all of whose energy? his, not my own. He said, I struggle with his energy because he's the one that gives me the ability to do it. If I do it in and of myself, I'm never going to make it. But his energy, it works so powerfully in me. And then he turned his attention to us in the next chapter. And he says this, he says, you have been given the fullness of Christ. He says, you, you can do it too, because you've been given everything you need. And by the way, Christ that you've been given, he says, he's the head over every power and every authority. And that power and authority sometimes comes in, in the form of shame and guilt in our lives. And he says, you've been given Jesus Christ who's over all of that. So don't try to do it yourself because you'll never be able to do it. But you can lay those burdens down today through the power of Jesus Christ and through his life that he gave for you and be able to walk forward in that. The band's going to come up, and as they do, I, I want to explain something to you. you. You've been given a little card that looks like this. Remember that? It was in your seat when you came in, and you're all wondering what in the world that was because the cinder block, and it was weird, and, and now you probably kind of know what the cinder block's about, right? It's regrets that you have in your life that you want to let go of, and they're heavy, but you want to let go of them today. And on the back of that, there's, there's some lines there, and that's an opportunity that you have to write on there. What, what your regret is. And what we're going to do in a second as the band plays, is we're going to walk up here and there's shredders all across this room, all across the front of this stage. 
and you just write down your regrets, and I just want you to drop it in there and say, today, I'm dropping this, and I'm walking out of here free. I told you at the beginning, you are going to have the opportunity to lay down those regrets today or carry them out of this room today, one or the other. And I'm giving you the opportunity right now with the power of God, not mine, not yours, to write those things down and let them go. This is just an illustration of what we're going to do. And, and maybe you don't want to write down exactly what it is. I wouldn't either. <laughs> Matter of fact, I just told you it was none of your business, one of them. <laughs> so maybe you just want to write down a, a word. And you know what that means. You know, because you know, when you see that word, it, it just floods back some emotion. And you just want to write that word down. And you know when God knows what it is, and you're going to shred it today. Maybe, you want, maybe it's a person, and, and you don't want to write down their name. You just want to write down the initial. And, and you know when God knows who that person is and what all that means. I'm just going to, I want to give you the opportunity. Just sit where you're at, and I want you to write those things down. And in just a second, the band's going to play and sing. And as they do that, you can just get up out of your seat and, and just walk down here and shred them. Just shred them. Today, God, I'm dropping these things today. I'm not walking out of here with them. I walked in heavy. I'm going to walk out free. I walked in carrying a wheelbarrow full of cinder blocks, and I'm walking out not just with the cinder blocks gone, but with the wheelbarrow tipped over. I'm not even carrying that out anymore. I don't know how, God. I don't know how I'm going to get to this future that you have for me. I have more questions maybe than I do answers, but I, can, I know one thing. I'm not walking into my future holding the hand of my past. I'm shredding it today. Can you do that together? And then when you get done shredding, just walk back to your seat. I'm going to come up, and I'm going to pray at the end, and then we're going to be going.